0: Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Too often in our lives, we don't expect kindness, let alone good news. Yet here we are, invited to not only know there is good news around us, but invited to claim it for ourselves. What does this good news mean for us, and what are we to do with it? In this week's Message of the Week, we hear from Pastor Jen Tyler, who teaches from Luke chapter 3. This scripture not only challenges us to expect good news, but share that good news with others. Here is the First Church message of the week.
1: pray with me holy and loving God as we continue in this time of worship we ask that you will open our ears that we hear you more clearly in our midst our eyes that we might see you more clearly and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you amen so today we are continuing our sermon series that we started last week titled Be Expectant. And this series will take us through Christmas into the new year. And it is throughout this season, especially, that we are inviting one another to live lives that are expecting good things, as Sandy said, all around us, and maybe to expect some of the unexpected, too. And so to help us to do that, I thought, well, what better way for me to live into that than to preach from a different place this morning, right? Especially when I get to be so very tall. Is this how you tall people feel all the time? Our expectations in this season, some have to do with Christmas and some don't, right? But in this time of year and when we're sitting in worship and we're in this season of Advent, I think most of us, if I asked you and I said, well, what kinds of things do this holiday season bring forth in you? You would be full of a list of expectations, right? Expectations about maybe some of your own personal or family traditions that you fulfill, expectations maybe of the church and how it looks as we decorate and get festive in tangible ways. Expectations of exchanging gifts or putting up trees and other decorations. Or if you're anything like me, living here in South Dakota, if it is going to be cold, I want it to be pretty too. And so while I don't want any snow on the roads, I wish the grass and the brown fields would at least be covered in white because it looks a lot nicer, doesn't it? That's one of my expectations, if I'm honest. And we have a lot of expectations. I imagine we could all come up with some different ones, some that are related to the actual meaning of Christmas, some, of course, that aren't. But I wonder what our expectations might be around the Christmas story itself, not just the way that we celebrate it, but also what we know about it, how we understand it, and how we have come to expect it to influence our lives or not. We use a lot of magical words this time of year that I think have to do with being expectant, words like hope and peace, miracle or joy, words that tell us both what to look for but also a little bit about how to feel. And yet the truth is, many of us don't feel these things, do we? often mixed in with some of these feelings the season brings forth are other ones, like maybe grief or sadness, as we are reminded of the things that are not around us or the people who are not here. There are words like today's that we talked about as we lit our advent wreath, the word joy. I mean, generally speaking, I think I'm a pretty joyful person, but the truth is I don't always Feel that way. And in the same way with all of these other words, the things that we expect or the people around us tell us that we should expect, they aren't all well, they're not all there just because we want them to be, right? And I think the same could be true of said of other things too. I think, for example, if, we, if I had asked you this question about what kinds of expectations you have for the world around you outside of it being the Christmas season, would you all have come up with those words like, oh, I'm hopeful and joyful and peace be upon all the world's? Right? Probably not. Maybe some of us, because I know we have some amazing optimists among us, and they are always bringing forth those gifts. But I think a lot of us fall short of some of those, don't we? I imagine that sometimes we get caught up in, well, in seeing other things, like when we don't even expect kindness, let alone good news around us. And so if someone's short with us or presents something to us that doesn't seem, at first glance, like it's going to be good, then our expectations drop a little. Don't they? And yet, in Scripture, and particularly in the story that I want to read for us today, that is not what happens. Instead, we are told what may seem like bad news for some, but it turns out to be good news for the whole. And the miracle of that, to me, is the way the people of God who hear this word seem able to see, and to hear, and to understand, and even embrace this distinction. That some, of course, we know weren't that way. We know some people are always going to be mad about change, or being challenged, or being told we're wrong. Uh, If you're anything like me, I like to say things like, I love change, as long as it's on my terms. But here in today's story, we are invited to see the world a little differently. We have a story about a man we know as John the Baptist who is preparing people for the coming of Jesus. Now, to be clear, this story happens after Jesus is born, right before his baptism and he's entering into public ministry. So he's not preparing people for the birth of Jesus, but for Jesus coming to change the world with his ministry. And so the people who hear this word aren't thinking about this birth and the miracle that is coming forth in it as much as perhaps they might be thinking about some of those promises they've been taught about, that our Savior will come to us. And so with that promise in the back of their minds, they seem to be able to keep looking for the good news. And I hope they invite us to do the same. As we read this story together, as found in Luke chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn from, with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Here ends our reading today. I read this passage and I think, man, good news can come in some pretty rough packages, can't it? And I wonder how many of us here today would have stayed to listen that day that John the Baptist greeted those crowds so kindly. If you remember back to the very first verse that I read, we know that John, the preacher of the day, greeted the crowds by saying to them, you brood of vipers. Now, I don't know what today's equivalent might be if I greeted you all that way. Um, Perhaps I could have started that way today instead of greeting you all kindly with words of welcome and worship. Instead, maybe I'd said something like, well, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Hopefully you know where that's from, right? There you go. Or maybe one of my other favorite Christmas movies that's only a little bit about Christmas, but it always makes me smile. What if in the spirit of the movie Elf, I had begun by calling all of you a bunch of cotton-headed ninny-muggins? And if I had begun in one of these ways, I wonder how many of you all would still be listening, especially if I did it without that underlying sense of humor or a movie quote that I knew you all would understand right? Because if you're like me, I don't think I would keep listening after that if I had begun worship by somebody calling me names. I'm not sure I'd have stayed even, especially if I were a visitor, like I know some of you all are today. I don't always call names, I promise. But fortunately, our story doesn't stop there, and John's story didn't stop there either, Instead, he goes on after telling them what a brood of vipers they are, not getting, though, what I would call better or nicer as he continues to tell them all the ways that they need to repent, that they need to change their lives and do differently, that they need to stop doing as they have always done some of those things even that they believed were good. But instead, he says, go radically out of your way. To care for one another. As he says to them in verse 11, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Now this, of course, is only the first instruction he gave them upon their asking of what they must do, and he went on to tell them more and more about how to better love their neighbors without using those exact words. And then he turned what they had previously known upside down, as he called them to give back extra money that the tax collectors were getting and be satisfied with what you already have. And while a lot of these may seem obvious in some ways, also, I don't think that we give as much credit as we should to how difficult some of these requirements may have been. After all, something as seemingly obvious as giving up a coat if you had to, Well, I think we could argue that a little in a place like South Dakota, don't we? Because I certainly have more than one coat, and I did not wear the same coat today as I did three months ago. And I don't think that the coat I wore three months ago was going to help somebody very much today. And that might be a justification on my behalf. And so I only share that because I think we all do that, don't we? Living here in this climate, I think there are ways that we can rationalize the things that we do or living in 2022, the ways that we live. But I wonder if those truths that are truths to me are truths by John's standards or by God's standards. I wonder if the standards of hope and expectation set before us throughout all of scripture would invite us to make those same arguments. Or maybe not. Maybe we really are a brood of vipers or a bunch of cotton-headed nitty-muggins. Maybe we don't have to be, though, because there is more at work here than verse meets the eye. I mean, after all, John knew that all of those details about how to faithfully follow God, these things weren't going to be easy, and they weren't meant to be. In fact, they probably didn't even feel like good news to many, at least not at first. And yet for each of these groups that people that each of these groups of people that John called names came a follow-up invitation. As he asked them to bear fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, don't just talk about what we wish were different. Don't just look for the good news that we hope for in the world. Don't even just expect that God is going to create a way where there isn't a way. But step up, take action, and take responsibility doing your part to create that new way, to live into and create good news for those around you. Yes? For some of us, that might mean giving up your extra warm coat that you keep just to wear on special occasions so that someone else can be warm on a cold winter day. Or it might mean giving up those gifts that you want this holiday season, but don't really need so that you could instead exchange gifts like those available at our advent, at our alternate gift fair in the back. Gifts that are meant to honor our loved ones and to lavish generosity upon people in our community, nation, and world who need it most. It might mean something like that. And it might mean something more. Two, it might mean that we have to give up more or are flexible more or that you are learning to expect and trust God to be present more. It might mean that your commitment and your sacrifice and your generosity will come to be good news, even if not in the ways that you first expected. Because not all good news is equally weighted. Not all good news means the same thing for every person. So much so that I would argue that good news is only good news when we first allow it to set us free, when we allow it to become not yours or mine or even ours here in our immediate community, but when we allow good news to be good news for God and all of God's people, well, it is then that we are reminded that God's good news is only good news for us if we are doing our part to help it be real for others too. For there is nothing good about living in isolation. There is nothing good about keeping the world's best gifts like the gift of our coming savior. There's nothing good about keeping those gifts to ourselves. There's nothing good about being joyful to yourself when you're alone and then being grumpy to your neighbor and calling them names. Friends, in this season of expectation and preparation and celebration, and we are surrounded by good news and promises of these gifts of hope and of peace and of joy and of love. And we are promised the coming not just of a baby, but of the Savior of the world. A Savior that we perhaps don't deserve, but whom we absolutely Need And so this day and this season especially, my hope and my prayer and my invitation is that we would take these promises and the fullness of this good news that Jesus is coming that is before us and that we would share it with all we meet as we look for God, not just in a manger, but also in every person we meet. Do we look for the presence of God in the strangers on the street who could use a friendly smile? Or maybe the clerk in the store who could use a kind word when the item you need or hoped for is out of stock and you are the 18th person in a row they had to tell that to? Maybe you need to be kind to a friend or a family that you've got a bit of a rift with. Or maybe you are being called to care for the person next to you or the preacher in front of you who keeps calling you cotton-headed nitty-muggins. Because the truth is, they probably need these gifts and this good news more than you can begin to imagine. The truth is, these gifts and these good news, they're not meant for us as individuals but us in community. And who, friends, are we to keep that good news to ourselves? Let's pray together. Faithful and loving God, you lavish your generosity upon us in ways seen and unseen. And we give you thanks for the ways that is good news for us in personal and corporate ways. We ask this day and always that you would help us to live lives worthy of repentance and worthy of your great love and that you would give us the strength and the courage we need to share that good news with all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.